0: Thanks for tuning in to Envisioning Vermont, climate, justice, and the state of our future. We're glad that you're a part of this ongoing conversation on the environment, human life, and where the two meet in Vermont and beyond. This podcast is hosted by 350 Vermont. For more information, please visit 350vermont.org. That's 350vermont.org. I'm Sadej Mukherjee, and I'm pleased for our first episode today to be joined by a few members of the 350 Vermont staff. To begin, could you please take a moment to introduce yourself and briefly describe your role with 350 Vermont?
1: I can start this one. I'm the longest time member of staff so far, or at this point in time. My name is Lily. I use she, her pronouns. I live in Burlington, and I've been... Here in the area since 2011, and on the staff of 350 Vermont since late 2017. Close to three years ago, 350 Vermont's director of seven years stepped down, and we started a move from a more conventional nonprofit structure to a new structure with shared leadership on the board and staff. And over the past few years, my work has been really focused on supporting that transition to shared leadership and supporting the ongoing evolution of our systems and structures to work together. I've been involved in building our board and staff teams, bringing new people on, making sure everyone has what they need individually in collaboration with others and collectively to do our work. I've contributed to creating a lot of the spaces where we've figured out our direction as an organization like board and volunteer and staff gatherings, retreats, and just regular staff meetings. Recently, we've been going through a process to refine and update our values as an organization, especially to better reflect justice and equity as central guiding values in our work, and I've been supporting that process. Hopefully, within the next month or so, we'll have a final draft, and then we'll be engaging together to figure out what it means to really apply these values throughout our work. And I've been involved in making some of the education-focused parts of our work happen in the last couple of years. Recently, a statewide Just Transition Study Group, and during the pandemic, several issues of a climate justice zine.
2: I can go next. Um, I'm Sonia Silbert, she, her. I live in Brattleboro, Vermont. And I've been on staff at 350 Vermont since um, early 2019. And so I was here when we transitioned to the staff collective that Lily just mentioned. Um, and I've been a member of the staff collective and uh, help internally with some of that organizational development work that Lily mentioned. And externally, I uh, run our trainings um doing political education work and building skills and analysis for our large kind of cadre of volunteers and members um, and leaders. Hi, I'm Maeve
3: McCurdy, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the operations manager at 350 Vermont, I do a lot of internal maintenance and admin things at 3:50, and I help manage our internship program and a bunch of miscellaneous tasks.
4: And um, I'm Vanessa, Vanessa Rule, and uh, I use she/her pronouns. I live in Stratford, Vermont, and I joined uh, slightly over a year ago in uh, April 2021. And my role as lead organizer is to support people to join our movement and help them to find the agency that they need and have build the skills that they need to create the future they want on energy and climate and climate justice.
5: I'll round us out. My name's uh, Carter, you see him pronouns. I'm relatively new. I just joined in the past year, um, helping out with fundraising, making sure we have the resources to, um, yeah, to do this work. Um, And super excited to to be here and and to be joining three hundred and fifty so recently.
0: Thank you all, and um, so pleased to be with you. And the podcast uh, is called Envisioning Vermont. So for the next question, I'd love to ask you, um, what is three hundred and fifty Vermont's vision for the future?
3: Maeve here. I see our vision as being very holistic and incorporating. Many different aspects of climate justice, first of all, but intersecting that with a lot of other issues. So it's not one prescriptive vision for the future, but I see it as being very community oriented and focused on justice for all and making sure that our communities are safe and thriving and have what they need. I feel like that's the the broad, (laughs) the broadest vision, but yeah, just making sure that we change our extractive, you know, processes of how we get our energy and how we get our food to ones that are sustainable and resilient and make sure that everyone, regardless of where they live or their, you know, identities can get what they need.
4: So. You know, our mission is, is to build a, a, a deep movement uh, that's people powered to uh, transition to a society where people are living without the harms of uh, fossil fuels and an extractive economy. And so we're envisioning you know, a future where we have a, an energy system that isn't harming the climate uh, and that everybody has access to and benefits from. Um, and I think that we are envisioning a future uh, that literally has more power to the people, uh, both in terms of our energy, but also our democracy and our ability to engage together to create the future we want and make sure our elected representative Uh, Actually, represent us.
2: I can add that I think one of the pieces that our organizing includes is building really strong, vibrant local communities, and ideally, local communities that have experience with and are good at making decisions together about the things that actually impact them, such as where their energy comes from, who has access to it, um, and what are the impacts of the extraction and of the use of it. And we think a lot about how this transition off of fossil fuels, and now we're saying more carbon-based fuels, not just f- fossil fuels, um, will happen because it really feels like the transition is inevitable, but doing it justly is far from inevitable. So i um, really thinking about How to do this transition in a way that doesn't continue and even amplify the inequities and injustices that are part of our current system and specifically part of that current energy system.
1: We're ultimately envisioning the thriving of life of all people and the rest of the, the rest of the beings who live on the planet in Vermont and all over, we're envisioning conditions that support the thriving of all. I'll
5: I'll add in quickly, I mean, I think one of the most exciting things for me about 350 is really highlighting the intersectionality between environmental and uh, economic justice, and really recognizing that Low-income people and working people aren't the ones who caused the mess that we're currently in, um, and finding solutions and advocating for solutions um, and helping support those folks in uh, reducing carbon emissions to, to adequately address the climate crisis.
0: Thank you all so much for describing uh, 350 Vermont's vision. Uh, for the next question, I'd love to hear, how does 350 Vermont work toward that vision? Uh, what does the work look like to actualize that?
5: Yeah. So Carter here, I think one of the key ways that really distinguishes 350 Vermont from other organizations doing, doing good work is that there's a real focus on organizing people and helping people actually lead a grassroots movement. Um, because I think, at least for me as a young person, a lot of times myself and a lot of my peers and folks I know who I grew up with, there seems to be a real lack of sort of faith in the democratic process or sort of Yeah, just this idea that, why engage? Why get involved? Why even vote? You know, that's that's really not going to produce the kind of solutions that we need, whether it's on climate or any other issue. And 350, I think, is really saying, hey, there's a democracy that we can use. We're not engaging with the tools that we currently have enough. Um, And how do we make that actually accessible to people, right? Because there's paid lobbyists who can spend all day in Montpelier or all day working on a particular issue. And a lot of folks don't necessarily have that time. So how can we match the skills that we have in our community with different ways to plug into to organizing and to movement building and make that easy and, and really help folks recognize the impact that they can have, whether that's local or at a state level or, or further?
4: Yeah, and this is Vanessa building on what Carter just said. You know, I th- our understanding is that the a lot of the decisions that um, people are making on our behalf at the state level and the legislature and uh, the governor are often representing special interests and, and not as many people uh, as they should be representing. And so we really are using the tools of democracy, right, connecting constituents directly to their elected officials to make sure that those elected officials are working for the people. Um, And so, you know, we meet with our elected officials and let them know what we care about. You know, we advocate for the things that we want, and we make sure that they understand that there are political consequences. Um, You know, and, and what we find is that there are a lot of elected officials who really do want to do the right thing. And oftentimes they can't do it because they don't have the people power behind them. You know, the other thing in Vermont is that our legislature, um, they only work, you know, four to five months. Uh, they're only in session for that amount of time. And there's a lot of information for them to absorb. And so one of the roles that we have is to, you know, to sort of provide the camera information to maybe some of those special interests and and support, and give them the information that they need um, to help them do their job. So it's really about electing, you know, engaging directly with our with our reps
2: I think some of the other tools that we use involve making sure that folks feel like they have enough of an understanding of the issues to um, not kind of defer to people who call themselves experts. So we really, we provide trainings and political education so that people can see that they're experts in their own lives and their own experiences and in the needs of their own communities and and can kind of talk from that place. Um, We also really try to connect what we call the yes and the no um so often as activists and particularly doing climate work we're we're saying no to a lot like we're really saying like no 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 we cannot go down this path anymore and what we really try and do is every time we're saying no we bring in a yes and we bring in the vision of what what the state and the world and the community is that we're we're looking for and working towards and sometimes that's a vision and sometimes that's tangibly, like, let's go and plant trees together. Let's go and um, do weatherizations of low-income houses in our own community together, things like that. So really tying the yes and the no. And I think another piece that we really try to bring in is a, a global perspective. Um, one of the things I love about working for 350 Vermont is that we're very clearly a statewide group working on change at the state level, and we are connected to an international network through 350.org, that we're, which we're affiliated with. And so, you know, in Vermont, so much of our energy extraction comes from some, some from other countries. Um, you know, right right here in Canada, where they're doing mega dams, where most of our electricity comes from. But a lot of our electricity comes from all over the world, um, from Southeast Asia, from South America, places like that. So, feeling like we don't want just Vermont to be a perfect little um, green bubble. We want to be real about the impact that our energy extraction is having on marginalized people around the world and we want to address that and we want, to make, we, we want to make that right. And so bringing in that global perspective when we're talking about local and statewide issues.
1: This is Lily. Nodes are one of the really important ways that we have organized together toward climate justice. We've supported local groups of people in coming together all over the state to collaborate and to be in relationship with each other and to work together on campaigns, organizing actions, on building community. And that's been such a huge part of how we've been able to get things done together we have had we've supported groups of families in coming together as well who have often struggled to really find a place in the climate justice movement, and many of them have found that it's very really special to be able to come together with other families to to help people to process with about the the state of the world, and to take action with. And I also wanted to add that, along with the organizing we do, we try to realize justice and resilience in how we work together. We try to make the space for people to build meaningful relationships. And we are constantly grappling with how to embody justice and equity in the structure and processes for how we collaborate and being really mindful of that in what we prioritize giving our time to.
0: Thank you all. It's, it's great to hear about your work. And you spoke to this a little bit already, but I'm sure there's more to say. Um, it's clear that your work centers around involving and connecting people. So that brings me to my next question. What's the way for people to become involved with 350 Vermont's work?
4: Um, There are so many different ways to get involved. Um, So first of all, I'll say um, there is room for everybody who wants to get involved in this movement um, because our power is built on sort of the collective skills and knowledge and passion that we bring to the table. So, you know, on a very practical level, you can go to our website and sign up and uh, let us know what your skills are, what your interests are. And we have somebody who will follow up with you and and talk to you um, and, and help you find the right place uh, in the network. So that could be organizing at the local level, joining a community team, a node. Uh, we also have state level teams around things like communications and outreach and campaign strategy. We have people right now that are doing research on transportation and on electricity um, and, you know, how to heat and cool our buildings. Training is another way. So there are lots of ways to, to participate. And, you know, if, and it's also, you don't have to be um, giving a whole lot of time if you can't, um, you know, writing an email to your uh, legislator is a really important thing that you can do. Uh, writing a letter to the editor if you want. So you don't necessarily have to be working in groups. But we do find that uh, people find great satisfaction if they can, um, connecting with others and, you know, being able to move from that sense of uh, isolation. And I think often, you know, time of uh, sense of hopelessness to um, hope is connected to um, being being connected to others.
5: This is Carter. I, I'd be remiss to say as leading fundraising. I mean, one way is to donate. We, we are definitely a grassroots organization. We're not staff heavy. We're, we're really people focused, but certainly like not everybody interests, everybody's interest lies in, in organizing. Although we'd love to have you do that. Um, you can also donate or do both. And that's again on our website.
0: Great. Thanks, Vanessa. And thanks, Carter. Just one more question. I know that uh an important part of your work is stories, and um I'd like to invite each of you just to share briefly uh the story of what draws you to this work.
4: I can start one of the reasons I do this work is because, as a kid, I had the very scary experience of of living close to a building where a bomb exploded at a synagogue and my best friend was Jewish, and it was terrifying for her. And my mother, a few days later, took me to a march that was attended by 100,000 people. And I I remember the feeling of that transformation from that sense of fear and powerlessness, and really not knowing what to do and the world not being a very safe place to feeling like, oh, it's going to be okay, right? Because we're together and all these people care. And I'm not the only one who thinks this is wrong. And that was that was just so transformative. And so when I saw *Inconvenient Truth*, you know, in the fall of 2006, and I sat in that movie theater feeling terrified, I thought, okay, I need to go find people. And. In doing that, you know, that journey that since that time of working with other people who realize that we have to act on climate because otherwise really bad things are going to happen has just been incredibly joyful. And so I do it because, you know, it's addressing a deep concern of mine uh, and I'm finding real purpose and joy in it and connecting with other people and, and building community. And then the other reason I do it is because there's something so... Amazing to me about helping other people have that if, that experience, right? Of thinking they can't do anything and uh, that the world is a really scary, terrible place. To realizing that no, in fact, like we can come together and create the future we want. So that's why I do what I do.
1: This is Lily. The aspect of making change that I personally am most interested in, I dreaming up and trying out different ways of doing things than what the mainstream or dominant culture offerings. And that has led me to learn about and be be involved in things like ecological and whole systems design, permaculture, intentional communities, nonviolent communication, earth-based spirituality, And I was initially drawn to how 350 Vermont and the climate justice movement embrace these kinds of solutions, pairing them with political action and really trying to center social justice in everything. And I'm still drawn to all of that. And also now that I'm more familiar with how this work happens, I'm also really drawn to the ways that I see doing this work empowers people and empowers communities.
2: Um, my organizing background before I joined 350 Vermont was more in anti-war and social justice issues. I moved to DC when, shortly after the Iraq war started and spent a, men- uh, spent a bunch of years there doing organizing and a lot of non direct action work. And to me, climate work always felt very integrated into that. It felt such a clearly a social justice issue and was a very intense and obvious example of how these intersecting injustices were leading to catastrophe for communities around the, around the world. And I think I was drawn to 350 Vermont, particularly for the, for the role that I was hired for, because 350 Vermont valued training up our volunteers and really wanted to have a people-led organization, not a staff-led, not that we on um, staff are not literally also people, to be clear, <laughs> um, but more of the masses. And so I love doing um, popular education and direct education and really seeing the possibilities for transformation when folks not only um, deepen political analyses, but um, get the skills to organize in their own communities I think the potential once they have those skills is infinite. And I love that 350 Vermont has prioritized that as a really central part to the organizing that we need to do and to the movement we need to build.
5: Yeah, this is Carter. I think what drew me to this work, I mean, initially, I was always interested in politics and religion. And in high school, I would have a lot of debates and I was pretty cynical about our political process because there seemed like a lot of obvious things that whether it was climate or money in politics or issues like the minimum wage or tuition-free college or whatever it might be, they seemed like obvious to me as a young person. And also like no one was talking about them. Um, and when I was a senior in high school, Bernie uh, ran for president and, you know, I started doing phone banking. I was already working a job before school and after school. So I started doing yard work in like all my neighbor's yards every weekend on Saturday. So I could like donate 50 bucks every week to the to the campaign. So that really got me politically involved. And then I ended up coming up to Vermont for college. And there was just, there was a little bit of a culture shock, but there was just a ton of different issue-based organizing going on, a lot of like electoral work, um, working on campaigns. So got really got really deeply involved in a couple racial justice organizing uh, circles and some short-term union organizing circles at UVM and also the divestment campaign at UVM. And so you know, fast forward, I was working on the Bernie 2020 campaign, you know, that he he didn't win that campaign. A lot of us were really devastated. And I don't know, just after that campaign, I sort of took stock and I was like, you know, I care about all these issues. What feels like the most pressing, like, where should I really spend my time to make the biggest impact? And it felt like, like, there's so many issues that are so important (laughs) and I want to do everything. And, you know, climate feels like it's got a really, really hard deadline that we need to we either hit the mark or we miss it, and so trying to trying to instill like some some harm reduction <laughs> around climate issues and and make sure that we can adequately address it just seems like at least for the time being the the best way I can be be making an impact.
3: This is Maeve speaking. I really got involved. With the climate movement, and I think became aware of the importance of activism when I was in ninth grade and went to the first People's Climate March in New York City. And I had, you know, cared about the environment. My parents are really have been staunch like environmentalists forever. But this was my first experience of a big global movement of people who really cared about the destruction facing our communities and our planet and i was inspired by seeing all those people come together from all parts of the country and it was great to see that momentum and then i met some people who were actually involved with 350 vermont and rising tide i believe at the time and then in high school i started to get involved with 350 vermont and this was (laughs) probably maybe eight years ago and so i went to protests and youth action days at the state house and really was so excited about joining this movement of people who really cared about making change And that, I think, was where I really came to this movement as like forming my personal connections with the people and the energy and the hope that I just have experienced.
0: Well, thank you all so much. Thank you, Lily, Sonia, Vanessa, Maeve, Carter. Thank you for sharing your vision, for sharing your work, your stories. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Envisioning Vermont climate, justice, and the state of our future.